0: Father, we worship you only. There's no God, Father. There's no person, no thing, Father. No government, no people worthy to be worshipped. You alone, Father, are worthy for us to worship you. Father, we declare with our mouths that we will worship you all the days of our life. You gave us the very breath that we breathe. And so, Father, you're worthy for us to worship you with that same breath. Exalt you, Almighty God. We thank you. We lift up your name in the earth. We declare your power, Father, among us. You are the great healer, the great provider, Father. The great restorer of lives. Father, you can restore when mankind said there's no hope. You can heal, Father, when medicine said there's no chance. Father, and even there are times when we come to an end you can bring us back by your will and your declaration Father. so father you are the great God that we worship we thank you father we give you all praise and honor for these things we thank you for the Lord in Jesus name amen well is the Lord worthy to be worshipped we thank him amen, amen. And um, you know it's interesting. uh, Of course, we all we all get to grow and and um, learn as we go along in in the Lord. And uh, you know, I worked a career as an engineer for many years, and um, had a few different jobs and different uh, uh, industries and different things. Uh, But I remember the very last corporate job that I ever had. Um, You know, by that time, you know, of course, I've been walking with the Lord for many years. But at that at time, you know, I had gotten to a point where I didn't fear any person. I didn't fear uh, the company. I didn't fear my boss. I didn't fear my employees. I just didn't fear anybody. And, you know, if you can get to that point in your career, you know, it's very it's very liberating because then you're free to do the very best job that, that you can do. Because a lot of times, you know, we won't do the best job because we're well, they're taking advantage of me. Or we won't do the best job because we're afraid we might fail, or you know we won't do the best job because, well, you know the people that work for me won't like me, you know, just different things like that. And sometimes we're constrained in doing the very best job because of other circumstances. But uh, but when you get to a point where you're completely free to worship only the Lord and and nothing else matters, then you're really free to the very to the to do the very best job. And uh, and you know there are plenty of times when. You know, I had to correct people that worked for me. And there were even times when, when they didn't like it. And, you know, I talked to my boss and said, look, you know, if you think I'm pushing too hard, you let me know. And I'll, I can back off. And if he, said, if he had said to back off, no problem, I would have backed off. You know, and so because I wasn't afraid to do what he instructed me to do. Uh, and um, e- even if I thought what I was doing was right, if he said, you know, tone it down a little bit, well, he's still the boss, amen? And so sometimes we kind of get attitudes of, well, I know what I'm doing. Well, that's, you know, you may know what you're doing, but so does your boss to some extent, right? Uh, And so uh, if we get to the point where we trust the Lord in all that we do and worship Him only, it's really uh, very uh, liberating in your life, amen? You're just not afraid of people. You're not afraid of circumstances. You're not afraid to try things. You're not afraid to do things. Uh, It's really a great place to be, amen? Uh, And so we thank the Lord for that. Uh, and so we finished up uh, chapter 8 with uh, Dr. Yeoman's book, and, and um, uh, these, you know, these are all short chapters. In fact, this next chapter is pretty short, too. If we get through it again, then, then that's fine, right? Um, uh, this chapter is, let, is entitled, Let Us Go Unto the Other Side, and so she starts in Luke chapter 8, so let's open up our, our Bible So Luke chapter 8. We'll see what, uh, where she starts at with this, and um, you know, I was just thinking about this the other day about uh, the healing school, and you know, we we've kind of, uh, of course, we're not limited to that, but we uh, uh, we have kind of gotten into a flow where we will use somebody's book as kind of a outline, and um, and then use that to to kind of uh, as a basis of what we're teaching. And I still, in my heart, I still feel like that's a a good a good um, uh, a good plan from, that the Lord has given to us because. Number one, we get to see the revelation that other people have that uh, we can add to our lives, amen? But also, you know, we're not beholden to that to that book because we're beholden to the Word of God, but we're not beholden that book that if they said it, it's got to be so, amen? And so there's been not many, but there's been a few times when we've said, well, here's what this author said, and this doesn't line up with the Word of God because of this, this, or this, amen? Uh, and so uh, because a lot of times those things get out in the world, of course, we have the advantage of... These books, at least the ones that we've, we've looked at the last couple of books, have been written 100 years ago. So we've got you know, the advantage of 50, 60, 70, 100 years of doctrine that uh, we've been able to solidify and get uh, correct and get more accurate. You know, not that it was ever 100% wrong, but you know, as you go along, you get hopefully your doctrine becomes more accurate, more lined up with the Word of God. And then hopefully the generation that comes after us, if the Lord tarries, you know, they will be better at their doctrine than we are. That's really all the plan, right? And it's not that we even say that they're wrong, because that would be kind of harsh and almost judgmental. It's just, well, let's look at what we've learned since then, amen? Uh, And then sometimes where they'll say things and don't have any book, chapter, verse, and it's clearly not biblical, you know, like, well, I mean, sometimes God just needs you to be sick, right? Well, if they ever say anything like that. And there's been some hints of things similar to that, even in uh, Brother Bosworth's book and in, in Dr. Yeoman's book. Uh, that uh, we've not been able to hook up with. And, and you know, of course, she came from a, from a background of being a medical doctor. So there are things that she has said, you know, one or two little things that really is more from a medical perspective than a biblical perspective. And, and you know, medicine can only get you so far, but beyond that is absolute truth, right? So it's their, it's their practice of medicine, but beyond that is absolute truth, which comes from the Word of God. And so absolute truth always tru- trumps uh, any limited truth that we might learn on this earth and so uh, we thank God for that and even if we don't understand why that's absolute truth if it says I am the Lord who healeth thee well that's absolute truth amen by his stripes you were healed that's the absolute truth and medical sciences well you can't be healed from certain things well that's limited truth right that's not absolute truth that's a limited facts and figures and understanding and science but the Creator uh, trumps all things, amen? Didn't Jesus walk on water? Well, that trumps both the, the idea that water is not solid, you know, except during really cold weather, and trumps the, the, uh, the law of gravity, amen? Well, you know, you can't just defy the law of gravity. Well, Jesus can. He can suspend the law of gravity until he wrote the law of gravity. If he wrote the law of gravity, then he has the, he has the right and the privilege to suspend the law of gravity, doesn't he, Right. Uh, and well, he can't just do that. He can do whatever he wants to do. He especially in the area when it comes to creation, he can he, he can set aside any any temporary law of creation that he chooses to to, to set aside. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, it's uh, uh, that's absolute truth. Amen. And so we thank God for that. So uh, this is the story here. She starts out in um, in Book of Luke, and I, I prefer Mark's version of this. So we'll read uh, Luke's version of it here, and then we'll go back to to. Uh, mark's version of it this is in uh, luke chapter 8 it starts in verse 22 it says now it came to pass on a certain day that when he went into a ship with his disciples he said unto them let us go over to the other side of the lake and they launched forth and but as they sailed he fell asleep and there came a storm of wind on the lake and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy and the boats were filled with water that was that was filled uh, the disciples themselves weren't filled with water you know i guess they could have been but that it wouldn't really have hurt anything, right? Uh, and it says, and they came to him and awoke him and saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and waters, and they obey him. So let's go back to uh, to uh, Mark's version of Mark chapter four. There's a little bit more information and a a little bit uh, uh, um, different ways of saying things here that I like. So in Mark chapter 4, in verse 35, it says, And the same day when evening was come, he said unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. So, and of course, you know, this particular story, this is such a great story of faith, right? It gives us so much information about faith. Uh, and you know, you can use it in, in so many different contexts of faith that I just love this story. Uh, we can learn so much from it. So, so what did Jesus say? Let's go to the other side, right? So if Jesus declared that, then how does faith work? Whosoever shall what say unto this mountain, right? So if you say to the mountain, then, uh, And, of course, if you say on the mountain, be thou moved, and be thou cast sea, and, and don't doubt in your heart, but believe those things which you say shall come to pass, you shall have whatsoever you say. So did Jesus believe when he said, let's go to the other side, that they were going to go to the other side? You reckon Jesus believed that? You know, some people say, well, let's, go to, let's uh, get in the boat, let's hope we make it to the other side. There's no, there's no faith in that at all, right? And, uh, and I would encourage you, if someone says that, don't get in the boat right? Because you don't know. I mean, you know, who, who knows what happen, what could happen, right? Uh, and so, but if Jesus said, let's go to the other side, then what, what should happen? We're going to the other side. So the nice thing is with Jesus, you know, he's the perfect example of, of everything, right? And so, so we can use his as an, the ideal that, we, that we, have, we attain to, that we desire to be like, that if he declares it to be so, it is so, right? It's never, well, sometimes it's so, sometimes it's not. Sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. That's the way much of the world and much of the church lives. But when Jesus declares it to be so, uh, then it's so, right? And that, that's, I, I remember listening to a message, I think it was from Keith Moore. He said, you know, Jesus always had to be accurate in his sayings. Because if he was sloppy like we are, we'd all be in trouble. Because if he comes and said, man, I love you to death. He said, you'd feel really, really loved for just a second. And then you'd expire. Because, he would, you know, he would love you and you'd feel really loved and then you would die, right? And so, because Jesus got what he said. Uh, and and uh, and then of course uh, we've been listening to some a lot of things around this faith area. Uh, one of the things that um, uh, Charles Caps Charles Caps is an excellent Bible teacher, especially in relation to your words and your declaration of faith. Uh, and one of the things that he said, uh, and I, I thought it really added some good some good balance there, was that uh, you know a lot of times we say things like, well, that just tickles me to death, you know, I I just hate them, or you know, just uh, you know. Um, I know, some of the other things that people say, right? Uh, um, but uh, i love them to death, you know, things like that. Oh, that just kills me. Things like that. People say things like that a lot in the church. But oftentimes you don't actually just die immediately, right? Oftentimes you don't really tickle them and they die or you love them and they die. You know, those things typically don't happen. And so uh, he said a, a big reason why the devil encourages us to talk like that is not so much that we get what we say because Jesus said you have what you say but also to diminish our own confidence in our uh, in our confession so I don't get it anyway so what's it matter if I say it took us me to death over here because if I say I'm healed over here I don't get that so a lot of times people diminish their confidence in what they say because well I said that nothing happened you know step on a crack break your mother's back my mom's still fine you know she's been fine for years and so it doesn't it doesn't do anything you know Okay, well, then if that doesn't work over there, then how much confidence do you have that faith works over here? So if you're saying things that, that aren't coming to pass, because it, it, God's not going to come and break your mother's back, right? It's not going to, okay, i got to go break her back, you know, because they said it. No, it would be the devil doing it. Well, many times the devil won't do it just in, so that you'll diminish your confidence in your, in your words, amen? So you'll have no confidence in any words you say. So you should have confidence in words you say, but if you're so sloppy with your words and you say things that... That are not working all the time and and, uh, or you know a lot of people say well i prayed and it didn't work well that's really bad because you know uh, from my perspective i say it until it works i say it until it happens i say it uh, you know until i receive the end of my faith and i'm not going to change some people will well i'll I'll try i tried it it didn't work well then you're never going to you never be successful in faith anyway faith is not something you try to see if it works you're not, you're not proving that God does what he says. He does what he says anyway. Amen? Uh, but, you're, but the only way that he does what he says is if we have faith in declaring what he says. Because Jesus said, speak to the mouth and, and not doubt in your heart. So if you say, well, I'm going to say it and we'll see if it happens. I don't really know. Well, what is that? That's the very definition of doubt. It might happen. It might not ha- I don't know, right? Doubt is double-mindedness. Right? You, on the one hand, you think it could happen. On the other hand, you think it might not happen. But well, that's being in doubt. That, you know, it's not that you're in unbelief. Well, it never happened. That's unbelief. Doubt is, well, let's see what happens. He said, don't doubt in your heart. If you doubt in your heart, you can speak to the mouth, and, well, it didn't work. So see, that doesn't, that doesn't work. And, and a lot of times, people will adjust their doctrine based upon their experience. Well, I tried, it and it doesn't work, so faith and healing is not for today. Then you're judging the Word of God. Then you're standing as judge, of the words that Jesus left for us saying that the words that he left for us are not sufficient to use in our lifetime uh, and so we must go to, to the natural world to obtain the things that we need because the spiritual world is not capable of producing those things that we have need of in this earth you know, and and are you qualified to stand in that position of judge? Are you are you qualified to stand in the position of judge of the word of God or the spirit of God in de- de- the declaration that Jesus left for us? Well I mean you're clearly not, but some people, you know, of course, they wouldn't say that way. Well, as God's judge, I declare that God is not a man of his word. Nobody would say those words. But that's what you're saying when I tried it and it didn't work. You're judging God. You're standing in judgment saying God is not a man that he should lie. In fact, what you're saying is God really is a man. Just like every other man that lies, God's no different. Even though he declares himself in Numbers, you know, we read it last week, in fact, right? In Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the Son of Man, that He should repent. And yet, how many times have we said that God has changed His mind? God used to heal. God doesn't heal anymore. God said He would heal, but God doesn't heal. Well, those are both things that men do, right? Can you trust uh, uh, most men? You know, I could probably count on one hand people that I, I trust explicitly. They say it, it's going to be done. Most people, they say it, and, and, and you know, it's not that I'm an unbelief, I'm a, you know, mostly I'm more like uh, uh, our friend Thomas. I got I to see it, you know. I, I, don't, I don't, I'm not saying that you're not telling the truth, but I have no experience with you, so you're going to have to prove that you're worthy to, for me to trust you, amen. Because trust is, is, trust is not given, trust is earned, right? I mean, I don't trust you just because you breathe air. I trust you because your track record says that when you do what you say you're going to do, you know, th- then, then, then I can trust you, Amen. You know, and it's funny to me over the years, I, I've known people that, you know, some people don't like trustworthy people. You ever notice that? Uh, it seems odd. You know, it seemed like everybody would love trustworthy people, but most people like people that, that will, will do what they say, you know, will, will do what I say, right? Uh, no matter if I, what I say is right or wrong, as long as they're yes men and just do what I tell them to do, then that's, that's the people they like. People that will, will only do what the Word of God says and will only do anything other people say as long as it lines up with the Word of God. Some people don't like people like that because they can't, they can't quote, trust them. Well, what they mean is they can't trust them to violate the Word of God and conscience when they have need of them doing that. Right? And So when I need you to lie and cheat and steal, I need you to lie and cheat and steal. And if you're not, you can't be trusted. Well, that's terrible, right? Uh, and, and, and I have run into that where people have not trusted me not because I was untrustworthy, but because my, my highest um, standard is the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And if you tell me to do something, if you command that I do something, or you de- declare that I will do something that violates either my conscience or the Word of God, the answer is no. Well, I'm your boss. I don't care if you're the grand pooh If it violates the Word of God or my conscience, it will not be done. Well, you know, you're never going to get ahead. You know, I had a boss tell me, you know, good guys finish last. And I'm like, uh, you know, and normally I don't say things. like I said, no, they don't. And of course, it made a matter. Because I, I, I didn't argue with him. I wasn't, I, didn't, I wasn't disrespectful to him. But I just said, no, they don't. Because, uh, well, I'm a vice president of whatever, you know, Grand Poobah. It's like, you will die and become dirt like the rest of the world. And you will not impress the Lord Jesus, the creator of the universe, by standing before him. I was a vice president of this little company. Jesus isn't going to go, ooh. Wow, I am so impressed, right? Because Jesus said, what have you created by your words? What have you spoken into existence? How many people have you raised from the dead? Oh, it's zero? Oh, okay, well, go to the back of the line like forever, right? Uh, And so, because some people in this world, they they get this mindset that because they have material goods or names or titles that, that makes them important, you're, you're, you're talking to a king. I'm a king. I'm not the king, but I am a king, a king and a priest, right? Royal priesthood, the chosen general, So are you. And so when people of the natural world act all high and mighty around me, I'm thinking you're, you're a court jester at best, you know, you, and that's only because we're going to have mercy on you to allow you to wear that funny little hat with a little, you know, whatever's on it. And so, uh, I don't know what it got to do with any of this stuff at all. But, um, uh, but if Jesus declares it, it has to be so. So where was their faith, where was their faith supposed to be uh, in? Their faith was supposed to be in the words of Jesus. Amen. Uh, and it says, And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, in verse 36, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm. So not just a storm but a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and saith unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Do you think about that question. The question is, uh, and the concern is, they're going to die and Jesus doesn't care. Uh, Jesus, we're, fixing to, we're fixing to drown in this lake, by this great storm, and from all intents and purposes, you don't even care that we're going to die. Because we're going to die, for sure. But it's clear that you don't care that we're going to die. So that's a lot of statements that they're making to the Lord Jesus just in this little question here. Number one, your words were of no effect. Number two, we're definitely going to die. And number three, clearly you don't care at all. So that's judging Jesus about his his love for his disciples, that you don't love us enough to to do something about this clearly you don't even care that we all die now that that's tough and yet so many times the the disciples stood in position of judge over jesus and said things like this and and i hear people say things like when when you say god doesn't heal anymore you're no different than these disciples Carest thou not that we perish because when you say god doesn't heal you're saying god doesn't care if i die from this disease you don't you really think god doesn't care that you die from that disease you really, don't, you really think that God doesn't care that your child dies from this disease, that your loved one dies from this disease. You really think that God is uncaring. Yet people say, can say that. They can say these words out of their mouth that to me, I wonder, have they ever met Jesus? If you've met Jesus, really have met Jesus, you, there would be no question about how much he loves you. No question about how much he loves the whole world. He loved the whole world that gave his own son. Yeah, I know, I know he did that, but he doesn't care that I stub my toe. You mean he loves you that much to do that, but he's uncaring about this thing over here that, that that means Jesus is wacko right I mean how could he love you this much over here but not even care this little thing over here uh, you know it, it just doesn't make any sense and yet people people have asked Jesus this question every day Jesus don't you care that we're dying of this whatever disease is uh, Jesus doesn't heal anymore so in fact uh, many times they don't even ask the question they declare that the, that the statement is true that Jesus doesn't care that we perish. Because what's the other alternative? If, if he knows that we're sick and yet he chooses not to heal us, then he doesn't care that we're going to die. Of course, they'll wrap it up in some pretty religious statement of, well, God's ways are higher than our ways and God's plans are greater than our plans. So, you know, we, it's not us to judge the Lord, but you just judged him as, as being uncaring. The, the people here, they're judging Jesus as being uncaring. Which is pretty tough. I mean, is that a position that's available to, to to stand in? Is there a position of judge of God that we can stand in? Well, there shouldn't be one. And yet, uh, when we say that God doesn't heal, then we're judging Him in many ways, right? That He doesn't tell the truth, that He's uncaring, uh, you know, that that uh, uh, that He won't won't do what He say. Now, that's that's tough, right? Master, carest thou not that we perish? See, Luke just, just said, uh, Master, Master, you know, we are perishing. But uh, Mark brings out the, the statement here that they asked him a question, right, and really uh, stood in judgment. Of, and, and, of course, some people, uh, they use this type of emotional uh, manipulation to try to get people to do things. Well, you just don't even care. Well, I mean, you know, sometimes people say those things to me, and I said, well, you're right, you know, because for me to care would be to worry. You know, I'm not worried about th- that, you know. You mean you don't even care? No, you know. Um, and and uh, we were talking about today about the story with Brother Hageman, when uh, he had learned, as a as a as a young person being sick on his deathbed, to just stop worrying. He told the Lord, "He's going to stop worrying because he said he he came from a long line of world class warriors. That his mother was a warrior, his grandmother was a warrior. You know, some people that just, I'm just a worrier. I'm just a worrier. I, I just I just worry. I just worry. it just worries me to death. You know." which can be true oftentimes, right? You know, uh, worry and stress can cause people to, to leave this earth early. Uh, and so he decided he's not going to worry. And so, you know, if you don't worry, then, then I mean, then it doesn't matter what happens, right? Uh, and, and so, of course, his wife didn't grow up that way. His wife didn't learn that till later on. You know, Aretha didn't learn that. So, so they already had kids, been married for a while, years, in, in fact, and... and um, uh, was, was just, and maybe at this point, she still hadn't figured it out, and so they're, they're carrying the kids back in, and they were having this, apparently this, this disagreement as they were carrying the kids into the house, and got to the front porch, and said, uh, uh, said, I guess if, if me and the kids just died right here on the front porch, uh, you still wouldn't worry, and he said, well, seems seemed like it'd be a little late to worry then, wouldn't it? I mean, if you're already dead, I mean, what's to worry about, right? You know, I mean, and, of course, he had a good point. Of course, he probably slept on the couch for a few days after that. But, um, uh, and so, uh, but where was Jesus? He was, he was in the hinder part of the ship, right, asleep. There was no worry on, on his part, right? Uh, and, and why? Because he knew, he knew when he said it, it's going to happen. So what's there to worry about, right? There, you know, if you know, there's no need to worry. If you really know that this is going to take place, what's there to worry about? right and so so the the problem with the disciples is they were ignorant of of god and how he operates so when god says it it has to happen right and so ignorance oftentimes will breed fear and, and um uh, you know uh, i remember years ago uh, we used to have a boat you know and we had this we had this old boat and um and it was a pontoon boat right the nice thing about pontoon boats is Uh, you know, they have pontoons and and if you ever ever taken apart, you know, a pontoon is filled up with styrofoam, right? Uh, And and, uh, which means you can't fill it up with water because it's already full full of styrofoam. So, so technically, you know, that there's still a debate on this, but you know, since it's my, my um, podium right here, then I'm going to tell you the way it is, right? But uh, so, so we were, we, we love just driving this boat, you know, on, on the weekends with the kids and and, and what we would do is, because it wasn't a very fast boat, you know, it was kind of an old, old beat up boat. And um, we'd follow behind all these other ski boats, right? I and mean, they leave this big wake, and so we'd go behind them, and we'd, we'd go down in these waves and make you know make a big splash in a boat, and it was a lot of fun. Well, we, there's this one boat, it was a big ski boat, and it left a huge wake. And so we, we uh, you know, of course it's just, uh, we only have one speed, right? It's all open all the time, right? And so, so we go barreling into this, into this wake of the ship, and the front of the ship just goes way... The front of the boat goes way down. And when it comes back up, it just gets flooded with water, right? So, so we take on all this water and this boat. And, and, and so the whole back of the boat is nearly level with the water, right? And, and so, it's, of course, you know, it's, it's a typical pontoon boat. It's got the little rails around the side. And so, there, you know, there was probably this much standing water in the boat. Now... All the kids and the other parents in the boat, besides me, there was only one other parent in the boat besides me, started screaming, ah, we're sinking, we're sinking. But see, the problem was was, was ignorance, right? Lack of understanding of engineering principles, right? There's a a law of buoyancy. Uh, and, And see, I knew this. And so I'm not concerned at all. There's just no, technically, no way we can sink. But it's only been, what, 15, 20 years? They're still not convinced yet, you know. I've almost got them over there, but they're still not quite convinced yet. But, you know, the pontoons are filled with, with, with uh, uh, styrofoam. There's just no way you can sink it, right? Now, you can fill it up with water, but it just won't sink. And so, so there's panicking, right? I'm not panicking, because uh, I'm thinking, well, this is awesome. Look at this. I mean, who's ever done this, right? In fact, the boat, the, the, I think it was a boat that we was falling turned around and came over there and said, well, we've never seen anything like that before. Uh, and what was the answer? All we had to do was just open up the gate, and once we opened the gate, all the water left the boat, the boat rose back up out of the water, and everything was fine, right? And the, the, no harm, no, no, nobody died, and, you know, uh, but they were all crying out, you know, uh, Master, not that we, now we perish, and <laughs> no one was going to die from this, but, you know, they, they were all convinced that we were going to sink the boat, now, and so I know, I know, how, now I wasn't asleep, you know, in fact, I was wide awake. I did this, you know, I didn't really fill it up with it intentionally, but, you know, I, I went into it, you know. Uh, now, what we could have done is broken the boat in half, right? Because there was a lot of stress on that boat when we did that. And, and that was a distinct possibility, but um, it wasn't going to sink. It wasn't going to sink because of my great faith. It just wasn't going to sink because of law and buoyancy. But, um, but uh, the, 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 at least in some parts of the family, that, that, uh, uh, that is still out for debate. Uh, but it's never been a debate for me, so... Um, but they can rebut it whenever they get to stand behind the pulpit, right? So, uh, so, so the, the, the issue was um, Jesus had said it, but they didn't have faith in what he said, right? And so, of course, then Jesus responded there, uh, and he said, Why are you so fearful? Uh, how is it that you have no faith? Yes, that's, that's, that's tough But there. We'll come back to verse 39 in just a minute. Uh, but but here, here's, the, here's the point that, uh, that she's trying to make and that, that I believe that we need to make here. Let's turn back to Romans chapter 4 and we'll see really what the issue is. Um, and this is an issue, now of course this is kind of a generic story, uh, you know, how does it apply to healing? Well, it's really kind of a generic uh, uh, story that we can apply to healing or really to any, to any area of faith in our life. Uh, but uh, here in, in Romans chapter 4, uh, let's read in verse 18, it says... Who against hope, so this is talking about Abraham, right? Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. So just in the previous verse, it said, the Lord had said, I have made thee a father of many nations. So the Lord had declared, I have made you, past tense, right? I have made you a father of many nations. Now he spoke this when Abraham had no children. So now at, that, at the moment that God spoke that into Abraham's life, uh, Abraham and Sarah were capable of still having children from a natural perspective, right? They were still capable. They were still young enough to have children. No problem. Uh, and, and, but a, as time uh, transpired in their life, you know the natural course of humanity caught up with them, and they got to a point where you know, the, the, the natural point, the natural period to have children had, had moved past their life, and they are now in a position that, from a natural perspective... They weren't going to be able to have any children, right? The, 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 uh, uh, the wife had gone through menopause. And, I mean, clearly Abraham still had the ability to have children because um, he, he went with uh, Hagar. But as far as Sarah was concerned, the time of, as, that all women go through is a natural part of their life come to an end, and they all know when it happens. And, and it happened with Sarah. And so they thought, well, I guess we missed our window. That's what, uh, that's, that's w- what uh, most people would have thought. So th- and that's why it says who against hope believed in hope. So up to the point of, of uh, Sarah uh, going through the the end of the the natural time period for women to have children, they had natural hope. But now they had no natural hope, right? They they had their natural hope had expired. So that's what it's talking about. At the beginning of that. Who against hope? Well, what, what was that uh, hope that they were against? It was the hope that that the uh, that from a natural perspective, they were able to to have children. So now that hope has come to an end. So instead of instead of putting all their eggs in that natural hope, that's not what Abraham did. Who against hope, against the natural part of hope, they had they believed in hope. So they had supernatural hope. What was their supernatural hope based upon? The word of the Lord, right? So the so their hope was not in their natural circumstances. Their hope was in what the Lord had said. And then if so, so if you go back then to, do I want to read um, um, this same verse in uh, Weymouth's translation, it says, under utterly hopeless circumstances, he hopefully believed that he might become the forefather of many nations in agreement with the words, equally, equally numerous shall your posterity be. So he was in agreement with the words that God had spoken. Uh, and really, our agreement should be with the words that God speaks in our lives. Amen. Including through the word of God and by his spirit. So there is, there is always a natural hope, you know, and, and what happens in our lives is we get comfortable depending upon that natural hope. You know, what, and whatever that natural hope is. So for, for these fishermen, they got in the boat going to the other side. So when they, when they Step when they first stepped into the boat, uh, did did they have any natural hope? Did they have any reason to have natural hope that they could go to the other side? Well, sure. What was their experience? What was their what was their skills in 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 um, sailing ships, right, to get to the other side? Uh, and had reckon they'd ever seen any storms before? Sure, they'd seen probably lots of storms before. And they and, and so their hope was their natural hope was. We got this. He said, we're going to the other side. We got this. You go back to sleep, Jesus. We, we got this, right? Just go back to sleep. Don't bother us. We can take care of this. <clears throat> and see, the problem with that is that's never necessary. It's never necessary to, to, to expend all of your natural hope first and then go to the Lord. Why can't you just live in the Lord all the time? Why can't you just live in the hope of, of if he said it, then, then it doesn't matter if I'm skilled or not skilled. If he said it, we're going across the other side. It doesn't matter if, you know, if he says, well, you know, Go go figure out this math problem. Well, I can do math, you know, adding, subtracting, multiplication, maybe a little bit of algebra. Well, this is calculus. Oh, you know, no hope there, you know. But if it's a simple math, you know, I can do that. Why can't you believe God during simple math times? Right? Why can't you believe God when it's simple and and, and um, even though you could do it, you still have the ability and the right and the privilege to believe God even when you've got the natural hope. Uh, and, and that was a hard lesson for the for the disciples to learn because. Their attitude was, well, we're going to depend on natural hope until that comes to an end. And then we'll see if we can't get over into supernatural hope. Uh, and, and of course, that doesn't work, right? That's not, the, that's not the best approach to, uh, to live by because you're depending upon yourself. And we'll look at another verse or two here in just a minute. And so, so uh, they were in natural hope and that natural hope came to an end. so they were opposite from Abraham, right? Because in Abraham, it says that who against hope, against natural hope, he believed in supernatural hope. They, they were, well, we believe in natural hope and hope that we never have to be responsible for a supernatural hope. Uh, and, and a lot of people hope that they never get to a point where their natural hope comes to an end. I never want to get to a point where I'm, I'm beyond my ability. And, and so what do they do? They, they never go into situations where faith would be required. They only they only operate in the circumstances where they can control it by their skill, their experience, their knowledge, uh, whatever it is. Uh, that's as far as they're willing to go. But oftentimes God needs us to go further than that. But unless we're willing to to uh, believe in supernatural hope, so uh, Abraham. Let's see if it, if it had been Abraham, he would have known what to do, because he says he didn't believe in natural hope. So against hope. So he, he, he never depended on natural hope. Now, it took a while for Sarah to catch up to him, right? Remember, Sarah's like, oh, you know, there's no way it's going to happen, you know? And Abraham said, oh, yeah, it's going to happen, you know? And, and so, and of course, Abraham, you know, was, was, in fact, he said that he staggered not at the, at the promise of God. He never wavered. Right? Now, Sarah did a, a little bit at first, but eventually it says that, that she, she was able to have faith to conceive because she judged him faithful who had made the promise, right? She'd seen uh, the Lord uh, come through enough times that it, it built up her confidence in the Lord. Amen. Uh, and let, we're in and Romans. Uh, just turn back a few chapters to Acts chapter twenty-seven. Uh, and uh, now this is with Paul here. Uh, now Paul was on his way. He was on a ship, right? You remember the story that he was on a ship, and uh, he would already told them, uh, "Hey guys," um, down at verse ten. Of course, he was a prisoner, right? He was one of many prisoners, like 260 prisoners or so that were heading to Rome. And uh, he got on a boat, uh, and he tells the people in charge, and he says um, uh, in verse 10, and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage not only to the lading of the ship, but also of ourselves. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which are spoken by Paul. Well, that's kind of fair, right? Because I mean, you know, the Centurion soldier, right? He's the guy that's over all these other soldiers. Who do you think he's going to listen to? Some some preacher, prisoner, or this experienced uh, sailor? He's going to listen to the experienced sailor, right? If he looks out there and go, yeah, it looks like good weather, we can go now. And uh, you know, I mean, so it's kind of fair that, that he didn't believe Paul. Of course, he didn't know Paul, right? If he'd known Paul, he was oh yeah, well Paul said it, then we got to do it, right? Uh, uh, but he, he didn't do it, so they go on. Of course, things don't go well for them. They get down to verse 20, it says, And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. So what kind of hope is that? Natural hope, right? There was no natural hope that this was going to work out. You know, they had, they had seen this, the, the uh, captain had seen situations like this, knew of situations like this, and there was no natural hope uh, at all for them to, to get through it. So uh, that, that's verse 20 there. And it says. Uh, in verse 21. But after long abstinence. Paul stood forth in the midst of them. And said sirs. You should have hearkened unto me. And not have loosed from Crete. And to have gained this harm and loss. You know Paul was never above saying. I told you so. You should have listened to me. Boys what's wrong with y'all. Uh, but. You know, sometimes it's helpful to remind them, hey, you know, I did tell you this, right? I did tell you not to do this, and, and it's done exactly what I told you it would. And so, you know, sometimes you know, you've got to be led by the Spirit of God to know when to do that. He says, and now, now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. So, you know, of course, now they're disappointed that the owner of the ship is going to be really disappointed that, yeah, we're, that before Paul said, hey, if you don't go, if you don't go now, we can get the ship saved, right? But now it's too late; the ship is lost. So they are going to lose something. But he said, "Not of any life, right? No loss of any man's life." Uh, and, and of course, you, you could follow the rest of the story, where you know he gave them instructions: here's what to do, and here's how to do this, and and they all made it, right? And then of course, the, the centurions were going to kill everybody, and Paul said, "No, you don't be killing nobody. You know, just all right. So let us all get. We'll, we'll get you. Catch up with us on the on the shore." And, and of course, the whole story is is just an awesome testimony for Paul. But, see, Paul wasn't dependent upon the hope of the captain and the other sailors, right? His hope wasn't in them and their their ability to sail. His hope was in the Lord. In fact, later on, he says, you know, uh, the God, uh, uh, an angel of of whose I am and whom I serve has stood by me this night. Uh, And so his hope was in in the Lord, right? Uh, Now... Um, let, let's turn over to Second uh, Corinthians chapter one. Now, in the area of healing, see th- this is really important. And now I, I'm going to uh, say a couple things here, and there's no intent to to be disrespectful or unkind. Uh, but you know, it it's it really fits for this for this conversation here, right? Um, and so here uh, it says in Second uh, Corinthians chapter one. Let's start in verse. Um, uh, let's see, I'm in mean, 1 Corinthians. Like, why? Well, these verses don't look right at all. What is wrong with these verses? All right, it's 1 Corinthians, but we want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Where are you all at? You should be in 2 Corinthians. If you're not, you're as lost as I am. Uh, and so, uh, uh, yeah. And so, were you in 1 Corinthians? Uh, yeah, okay, all right, all right. Um, he said in verse 8, so this is 2 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. He said, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure or burdened out of measure above strength, in, in so much that we despaired even of life. So, I'm taking just a little aside here. You know, I was watching this one fella, and, and uh, you know, he used, he's kind of one of these guys that likes apologetics, and apologetics is, is the study and, and training of arguing the word, right? Arguing your case. I'm not a big fan of arguing, but, you know, sometimes it's helpful to, uh, to hear some of these things. And so, uh, and this one fellow, he was pretty good. But when it came to this, you know, he was saying there's some preachers, and in fact, he called out, I think it was Joel Osteen specifically, uh, Joel Osteen gets up and says, God will never put on you more than you can bear, which is 100% true, right? And, and number one, because he said, in fact, he says, my yoke is what? Easy, and my burden is what? Light. So. Well then, if his yoke is easy and the burden is light, when would God ever put on you more than you can bear? There, there's never a case. In fact, the, the only the only situation is in Second Corinthians chapter 10. All right? We're in Second Corinthians chapter one. We just go over to chapter 10. Um, he's he says. Um, actually, it's uh, uh that's in First Corinthians chapter 10. Right? We'll get the correct uh, book here eventually. Um, in First Corinthians chapter 10. This is where people take this verse, but it's not really. They, they take it and they misconstrue what it's saying. It says in verse 13, There is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So what, there's, what they, a lot of times people say, Well, because of this verse, see God whatever you've got in your life, God knows that you can handle it. But that's not what it's saying at all, because number one... Why is this in your life? It's in your life because you're tempted. Well, James says you're tempted because of your own desires. God's not tempting you, so the, this burden of the temptation is not from God. The burden of temptation comes from the devil and your own desires that you won't put under, under, under the control of your spirit. So uh, this has got nothing to do with God playing you, know, playing you like a little pawn. Well, let's, let's put a little bit more. Put a little bit more. Okay, that, that's all they can handle. It's not God doing that at all. That's you doing this, right? And God in his mercy, because you don't have to do this to begin with, right? Are you required to be tempted? No, James says you're required when you're carried away by your own lusts, right? So you're not required by temptation. And God's not tempting you. In fact, he said, lead us not into temptation. So God's not going to lead you into temptation. That's his will. So so the, the burdens of temptation that we experience in life are due to our own shortcomings. But even even in that setting, God, at his mercy, will say, okay, I know this is all on you, but I'm still going to limit the, the enemy, that he can't overwhelm you with temptation. So in that case, whatever temptation that you are facing, you can know, okay, I can get out of this, because the Lord will never allow the devil to tempt me more than I'm able to bear. So you can't say, I just couldn't, I couldn't help the temptation. I just had to eat that last donut. No, that's not biblically true, right? The Lord will limit that. Now, that's still on you. The, the burden and the temptation is 100% on you. You started it. It wasn't the Lord doing it, right? Uh, and so, uh, so th- this fellow, so, and, and that's a valid statement, right? That God will never put on you more than you bear because whatever he puts on you, it's going to be light and easy. Amen? Now, it's light and easy if you're a person of faith, if you're a person who will yield to the Spirit of God. The pressure that we get onto is when the Lord tells us to do something and our flesh doesn't want to do it, and now there's conflict in our lives, in our own hearts, and we're under that pressure, that conflict. Well, that pressure and conflict is from us. That's not from the Lord. It's from us not choosing to follow the Lord. Amen. If you follow the Lord perfectly every day, life's easy. Now, now there are things you got to deal with that are difficult. You ever had the Lord tell you go do something and you got to deal with difficult people? Well, yeah, but, but it's because he loves those people that he sent you there. And so, yeah, you got to deal with difficult situations and... Sometimes those are, those are tough situations. Now, it's not, that's not the burden the Lord put on you. It's those people putting it on you, right? The Lord's putting on you, the burden to go and be obedient. And so, so Paul was saying back to, to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 that uh, they were in Asia and pressed out of measure above strength and so much that we despaired even of life. Now, we don't know what this was, right? He doesn't give us any context about it. But, you know, Paul was beat. He was stoned. He was left for dead. You know, he was shipwrecked more than once right and and so those were all things that were part of the life that he lived in obedience to the lord but those weren't burdens the lord the lord wasn't going hey sink that ship let's see how paul does that's not the lord right that's that's you know somebody bad sailing somebody not listening to paul right because paul told them in on his ship in in acts 27 to not take the trip and then we're doing it anyway well then you know then paul He's along for the ride, and, and except for the mercy of the Lord and Paul's faith, they would have all perished. So Paul doesn't have to put up with that, and sometimes you have to put up with things in life that are uncomfortable, but the Lord's not putting it on you to see what you're going to do. It's not a test from the Lord and, and a trial from the Lord to see what that, but that's what that fellow was saying. But that doesn't line up with, with 1 Corinthians chapter 10. That fellow was said, God often will put on you things that, that just beyond your, you know, if your child dies, you know, that's a burden that you can't handle. Well, that is true. But did God kill your child? Did God murder your baby? Did God kill your, your infant? No, so God didn't do that to begin with. You know, if your child dies, it's typically just due to the sin in the world and, and there's sin and there's sickness and disease. Now, a person of faith can overcome that and cause their child to live and, and not die, but, but <clears throat> that's not on the Lord, amen? And yet, uh, that is a heavy burden. I, I, can, I can't imagine, right? I mean, I've never had to bury a child, but I, know, I have... I have uh done services more than once for young people dying uh, and it's un- it's terrible right For a parent to have to deal with that and to have to have to live for that there's comfort of the lord and there is healing from that and, uh, and uh, if you allow it to happen but uh that's not god god's not doing that and so he's saying that that joel osteen was wrong that god uh that god will put on you burdens that you can't bear well, that's not true at all, because then Jesus lied. If Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, then what does he mean? His yoke is easy and his burden is light. But see, uh, the, this despair even of life is the natural hope, right? That there was no natural hope. <clears throat> and, and you ever been in a situation where I don't know if we're going to get out of this? You know, Naturally speaking, oh, this, may come, this may end our lives right here. Now, that's, now. see, you can't just read verse 8 out of context. You've got to read verse 8 in context, because then what does he say? But we, but... So now he's making a, a rebuttal against what he just said, that we despaired of life, but... So hang on to, to the, the issue of that, yeah, we've got a big problem to handle, but let me tell you how we got out of it. So, so, so you, if you read this verse 8, you think, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I know exactly what is. Yeah, I've been there every day. Right, That's my life right there. That I despair of life every day because... You know, the light turns red every time I get to it. My life is so hard. Uh, And so he said, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not what? Trust in who? Trust in ourselves. See, because natural hope will trust in yourself. Oh, yeah, I got this. I've done this a hundred times. No problem, Lord. I've got this. But we should not trust in ourselves, but in who? But in God, which raiseth the dead. So basically, Paul was saying, look, if we die... God just raised me from the dead, and literally, He did that, right? Acts chapter fourteen, He was stoned for dead, and they all disciples are looking around and going, "Wow, what are we gonna do now, boys?" I don't know. Just go get some pizza, you want to? I mean, the other nobody's praying for Paul; they're just standing around going, "Wow, that's a shame." It's, he's dead, right? And, and just, it's like nobody prayed, nobody did anything. Go, yeah, they're just standing around, and he gets up and goes, "Let's go, boys. We're gonna go to the next city," and they're like, "All right, is there pizza there?" Uh, and so, because uh, you know, the, Paul's attitude was, "Look, if I die, He can raise me from the dead." He said, but, right, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. So what we have to have is the sentence of death in ourselves that we don't see. Uh, you go down to the local cemetery and you say, hey, boys, uh, I need you all to show up at 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, we got some work to do. Can you trust them any, any, at all to show up at 8 o'clock in the morning? No, they're completely, totally untrustworthy, right? You can't depend on them for anything. Hey, can you mow the yard? Uh, I need you to come to Tuesday and mow the yard. Completely, un- they'll never show up. The, the worst, right? The worst people, completely unfaithful. You ask them to do anything, they just won't ever show up, right? Why? Because they're dead in the ground. Now, and if, you're, if you have the sentence of death in yourself, and all he's saying is, is, I treat myself as a dead person who has no ability to be trustworthy. I cannot trust in myself. Just like you can't trust in a dead person to do anything, right? Uh, and, and that's what Paul is saying, that I have the sentence of death in myself. I don't trust in me at all. I have no natural hope at all. All my hope is in the Lord. And that's what he says. Because if, if, even if they kill me, he can raise me from the dead. So he's not a concerned about it at all, right? Because some people get so afraid of these things. Oh, how am I die? Well, God just raised you from the dead if your time's not up. Because he said, then, then see, then it's his testimony. Who delivered us, so is that past or present tense? Past tense. Who delivered us from so great a death? So does Paul have a testimony that this has happened before and the Lord delivered him? Yeah, he has delivered me, right? This has happened before. Uh, And he says, in whom we trust that, uh, 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 in verse 10 there, and doth doth deliver. So doth deliver is, is King James, right? But is that past tense or present tense? He does deliver. That's present tense, right? He's delivering right now. He does deliver, right? He's delivering right now, which means this situation he does deliver from. And then he says, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver. So when he will yet deliver, is that, is that past, present, or future? Future, right? So, so Paul said he's done it before, he's doing it right now, he'll do it tomorrow. So he's got all the time span covered. So, so where was Paul's hope? It was always in the supernatural hope of the Lord, right? And never, he said, we have the sentence of death in ourselves that we do not trust in ourselves. So the question for us is, do you trust in yourself? And so, so here, here's my concern that I see in the church. <clears throat> you know, we all, get, we all get in the church. You know, we all start getting some information, and we all start seeing God wants us to live a long, healthy life, right? And all those things are true. But then we start doing things like, yeah, but um, I don't ever eat any red meat anymore because, you know, science tells you that I'd kill you, right? Bacon, off the list, right? Bread can never do it. Uh, refined sugar, no way it'll kill you. Salt, worst thing in the world you're going to have. You know, uh, tap water, oh, there's all kinds of chemicals in there. They're all, they, and they're all brain control chemicals, right? They're trying to control your life. Uh, you know, uh, and fish, got mercury in it, right? Uh, I mean, and, and you just go down the list. And what are you doing? You're saying, naturally speaking, you know, I, I've got to trust in my ability to, to know the science of where all this stuff came from and so that I can make sure through my own ability by, by, by lining up all these perfect foods to eat that I will live a long life. Well, what's your, where's your trust in? It's in yourself and your science. And the problem is if you can't eat enough food, what's left? Well, you have to have food flown in from, from the west coast of France that's fresh everything, you know. And, and the problem is how many people can afford to live that way. So then only rich people can, can do this, right? Oh, I have fresh food made by my private chef that comes in and does all these things. Look, you want a pri- I would love to have a private chef because, you know, when Chris is gone, I'm thinking, where's the pizza, right? And, and why? Because I, 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 spending an hour in the kitchen, it's not that I can't do it. I would rather do anything other than do that, right? So uh, where's the phone? I just call up, you know, just call them, right? <clears throat> and, and so... Uh, can do you, do you deliver? It's water, yeah. But can you deliver? Otherwise, I got to go turn the tap on and fill it. Uh, you, you know, now I don't have a private chef. And I gotta, look, you got no problem, right? Because I like eating good food. You like eating good food? I mean, I don't want to eat dirt. You want to eat dirt all the time? I don't want to eat dirt all the time. Uh, but see, I did, for me personally, I got no faith in my food. None. I just eat whatever I want to eat. And I don't, I don't, you know, what I have learned over the years is, you know, prior to several years ago, I realized, man, I eat like a pig, you know, and, and I just. Quit eating so much, and, and really, that's all I did. You just, you know, I didn't cut out anything in particular. I just cut out the quantities of what I ate, right? Uh, and, and so now, look, you do whatever you want. I'm not telling you what to do. This is not a, this is not a class on on diet and and what you eat. But what I what I have observed though is many times in the church we start getting we start drifting into natural hope. Well, if I only get certain kinds of you know, organic potatoes, right? But aren't all potatoes organic by nature? You know, I know I'm being facetious, right? Because I, I would always love to make it fun. Organic potatoes. Well, they're all organic. I mean, by the definition, they, are, they were alive once, so they're all organic, right? Uh, I, I know what that means, but there's really no legal definition of organic anyway. But, and so, so my question for us is, where is your natural, where is your hope? See if your hope is in oh I don't eat that. I, I remember years ago we were here and someone was visiting and, and I said hey would you like would you like something to drink? We got water we got you know we got bottled water and I'd be like oh where's that bottled water from? You know and you know a lot of bottled water is just from the tap of New York City or where it's just tap water right? They'd put in a bottle and put a fancy label on it. Oh there's fancy water. It's like the same tap water you get at home right? uh and oh well not this bottled water right this bottled water comes from the the cisterns of of uh italy somewhere right uh, and well what do the italians drink i don't know you know uh, and so but where is your where's your hope see if you think well i'm gonna i'm gonna add to my faith all of these things but who can afford that except for the, the wealthiest people in, in the world? So it means only the wealthy people can have faith to live a long life. Now look, you do whatever you want to, right? It's none of my business. Uh, you, because I can't tell you everything. I'm not going to give you a list. So here's, here's all the approved things you can eat and all the approved things you can drink. That, that is not my, my job. My concern is I see in the church that we are, we are drifting over into natural hope. That if I do these things... And I, and I walk the 10,000 steps, and I drink the eight glasses of eight ounces of water every day, and I get eight hours of sleep, and, and I do all of these things. I will live a long life. Natural hope, natural hope, natural hope, natural hope. All of that is, is violating the sentence of death uh, and from when I read the Word of God, right? So, again, you do whatever you Well, I only like that kind of water. Fine. If you like sparkling water from Tahiti, fine. I don't. None of my business, right? If that's what your preference is, you know, and I like... I like certain things. I don't like other certain things, right? And the reason I don't like other certain things is because I don't like them. It's not because, well, that'll kill me if I eat that. I, see, I don't, I don't think that. I don't say that, right? In fact, I remember one time we were driving somewhere, and me and Chris were talking, you know, where you want to go eat? And that's always a big debate. Where you want to be. And now, you know, I just say, wherever you want to go, because I could eat potato chips and cheeseburgers every day. Now, I don't, but, you know, I could care less. Just, I, personally, I could eat a a peanut butter and jelly sandwich every day, and I'd be happy with it. And some of my, you know, European friends are like, I can't I've can't. i heard that Americans eat peanut butter and jelly on a sandwich. Can you believe that? And I'm like, ah, oh, the horror, you know. And I'm thinking, I love peanut butter and jelly, you know. And, I mean, anybody here like peanut butter and jelly? You know, it's like, I love peanut butter and jelly, you know. Chris is kind of, you know, <laughs> jelly, right? See, I like grape jelly. She's like, oh, it's the worst, Right. Because it's just solid sugar is all it is, right? It's jello sugar is all it is, but um, with a little bit of grape color. But, but I like it, you know. And so, uh, but, and, and, uh, so we were driving somewhere. Uh, where do you want to go eat? So you basically, I said, wherever you want to go. Because wherever she go, I can find something to eat. But if I want to go somewhere, she's like, well, what, what do they got? Oh, they got fried chicken. Well, they got fried potatoes. Well, they got fried fish. And, and, you know, now, look, she's fine with getting just vegetables. You know, she will go someplace, and no, all she gets vegetables. And I'm thinking, nothing's died for you to eat that food, right? There's not a single thing that's sacrificed this life for you to eat today. Uh, but, uh, and, and that's fine. Look, if she likes vegetables, no problem. And she does. She's about like 80% vegetarian just because that's what she likes. And, look, that, no, that's just a, a, a personal taste, right? Her faith is not in her vegetables. Her faith is in the Lord, but she just likes vegetables, right? Fine, no problem. But she said, I want to eat somewhere healthy implying that everywhere I want to eat is like a 12-year-old, right? And so, you know, she, she, she didn't come out and say, well, you eat like a 12-year-old, but that's really what she was saying, right? And so I didn't take offense at it, even though, you know, now to think about it, it's like she was just dissing me. I didn't even know it. Uh, but she said, I want to eat somewhere healthy. And when she said that, the Spirit of God prompted me, uh, you know, to, to the Word of God. This is I thought if everything we eat is, is, is prayed for, it's sanctified by the Word of God in prayer, right? And so if that's true then in one sense, everything we eat is healthy, right? Now, look, I, I am not trying to kick a hornet's nest, but this could be a big hornet. You mean you mean a, a chocolate donut is healthy? I don't know who made it. I, 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 can we get some more information about it? Look, I'm not telling you anything in particular is healthy or unhealthy. I'm telling you that if you really believe the word of God, then you mean you can just pray calories out of it? I'm just telling you what the Word of God says, right? I didn't write it, you know. We just, I mean, just turn over there, right? I know we've we got go to go to 1 Timothy chapter 4 now. Did we, did we write these things? No, I didn't write it right. And, and so he said here in, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 4, For every creature of God is good and nothing to be re- refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the Word of God in prayer. So for every creature, don't eat shrimp. Don't eat, uh, don't eat red meat. Uh, don't, don't eat, you know, uh, don't eat any crawfish, right? Because shellfish, you know, the Old Testament says don't eat shellfish. But we live in the New Testament, right? So how many creatures did Paul say was good? Every creature, right? You can't eat catfish because you know they they're, they're bottom dwellers, right? Have you ever had fried cat? I mean, it's pretty good stuff. I had grilled catfish the other day. Why'd you get grilled? Because I wanted grilled catfish, you know? And You mean you think there's something wrong with cat- fried catfish? I just wanted grilled catfish, you know? I, I like, you like, you know, it's blackened grilled, blackened uh, catfish. It's pretty good, right? Sometimes I like fried catfish. You mean you eat fried catfish? I mean, it's like people say, I, you mean you eat bacon? Have you ever had bacon? Have you ever had good bacon? Have you had good bacon? You know, you'd, 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 I mean, uh, we could probably get every, every uh, vegetarian in, in the world backsliding to eat good bacon, but... And I don't care. Look, I, don't, I really don't care what people eat at all. What I care about is where is your hope? So if your hope is, if I eat this, I'll live a day longer. If I eat this, I'll live a week longer. If I eat this, I'll live a, live a year longer. So in all of those things, your hope is in the natural world. Your hope is in the things you, 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 you're eating. Natural hope. What's going to happen when your natural hope comes to an end? What's going to happen? You know, I mean, I don't believe it's going to happen, but... People say, "Oh, the whole food, the whole food uh, system is going to collapse. We're going to be eating berries and grass. What are you going to do then?" I'm a, I mean, you can't get your your water from the from the cisterns of Italy anymore. What are you going to do? You? I got to drink tap water. I may have to drink water from out of a stream. I mean, you know, when you was a kid, anybody was a kid. You know, I used to be a kid. We'd go we'd go traipsing through the summertime into the. Farms and stuff. We'd find a, we'd find an old cow uh, pond, and we'd go. We we'd take all our clothes off and go swimming in this cow pond. You know what cows do in cow ponds. It's more like a cow septic tank is what it is, right? And that's what they do in those cow ponds, and they're disgusting. It's amazing we all survived, right? Uh, and and so, but when, you know we didn't know back then. Now was like I can't believe doing that. Now I, I wouldn't do it because it's gross, right? I mean I want to smell like a cow. Uh, but is, is is this verse? Are these verses so or not? And these are not the only verses in the New Testament. Several verses in the New Testament talks about stuff just like this. My concern is that we have, we have drifted over into natural hope. right? Now, look, there, no doubt there are things the Lord tells you don't eat. Because, look, first of all, our bodies are not perfect. And there may be things that you eat that just doesn't agree with your body. Well, don't eat them. Now, you could believe God to get to a point where you could eat them if you wanted to. Just like a friend of mine, he can't eat peanuts. I mean, if he ate a scoop of peanut butter, he would die. We've been in restaurants. he walk in the restaurant, and the restaurant uh, uses peanuts in their, in their ingredients. He can taste it in his t- just walk just walking in. And not, not eating anything, just walking in, uh, he can taste it. His tongue will start tingling and start swelling up just in the, in the atmosphere. That's how deadly peanuts is to him. And I'm like, how, how do you get by in life without peanut butter? I just go home and eat a scoop of peanut butter. I, I, eat a, I get a scoop of peanut butter, I eat about half of it, and I give the other half to my dog. He loves peanut butter, too. Right? He's a smart dog. He loves peanut butter. Hey, you know, you, I mean, you can get him to do anything for peanut butter. And so, look, I, I, you've got to be careful of not taking this to an extreme. You mean I can just eat anything? Well, I mean, is it within temperance? Is it, is it within moderation? It, has the Lord spoken to you specifically about your body? Has the Lord spoken specifically about that food? You know, because I believe he will. I believe he'll, he'll show you things that that uh, work better for you than other things. But that's not natural hope. That's still supernatural hope because it's supernatural revelation. But if it's just natural hope, well, I read an article the other day that the ions in tap water are just all messed up, right? And we've got to eat better ions, you know. Uh, and so, you know, um, well, that's all natural hope. Uh, so... Uh, are we going to go home and, and burn all of our organic everything? You eat whatever you want to eat. It's none of my business, right? It, it, this is not a class on what to eat. This is a class on faith, right? Because we saw that the fishermen had natural hope and it failed them. We saw where, where uh, a- Abraham could have had natural hope, but he didn't. Because uh, uh, the natural hope did fail him, uh, but he stayed with supernatural hope. Same thing with Paul. He could have had natural hope that all we can handle it. You know, we've been, on, we've been on mission trips before, no problem. Well, his hope wasn't in himself. He said that, that, that our hope is not in us, that we should depend on ourselves, amen? And so are you going to depend on yourself? Are you going to figure out every day what to eat to live a long life? I, I just, I'm, my concern is you're going to go into natural hope until that comes to an end. And then having done that for 50 years, 20 years, 10 years, whatever it is, you're going to find out, well, that's not working. And then your natural hope will come to an end. What are you going to do then? Uh, you know, because how many times have we heard, don't eat eggs? And then five years from now, eggs are the best thing you can have. And then, you, you know, I mean, it, it, how many ta- how many different things have we heard about that? Eggs and red meat and cholesterol and, and vitamins and, and, and they change all of those stories every five or 10 years. Salt, terrible for you. Now salt's pretty good for you, right? Uh, bread was terrible for you, but has bread gotten back on the good list yet? I don't know. It's always been on my good list. I love, because Jesus is the bread of life. How can bread possibly be bad for you, right? Again, don't, uh, this is not a medical, this is not a medical discussion, right? So don't leave here and say, well, the pastor prescribed me to eat bread every day, right? I'm not prescribing you to do anything. I'm just telling you, where is your hope? I'm asking you the question, where is your hope? Amen. And so in the area of healing, we, we, In living in divine health, your hope always has to be in the Lord to do what he said he would do. Your hope cannot be in this natural world. If it's in this, it will come to an end. There will be something that comes along the way that if your hope was in whatever water, you're going to find out someday that they've been lying to us all this time, that that's the same tap water that I drink every day. You know, it's got a pretty label on it. And and everything I read about it said it was this perfect stuff, but you will find out it hasn't been. You know, they just, you know, they just make it like everybody else makes it. Uh, and so you, you've got to be aware of these things because it's really easy to slip in the natural hope. But natural hope will always come to an end. Uh, but supernatural hope never comes to an end, right? Uh, Abraham wrote it right on into the sunset and got everything God promised him. Uh, Paul wrote it right off into the sunset and got everything God promised him, right? The disciples had to learn it, They they, they up and down, up and down. Uh, But we do see examples where people did not depend on natural hope, and it was to their advantage and it's to our advantage, amen? So look, you do whatever you want to. If you want to eat organic uh, strawberries from, you know, we can't eat it from, you know, we can't get the strawberries around here anymore. They're not organic, right? I mean, you ever had, uh, who's the the guy that says all the strawberries here for years? Tidwell's, yeah, tidwells Again, I mean, Tidwell strawberries anymore? They're not organic, you know. I don't know if you ever had them. They're really good, right? And so, uh, but again, you do whatever you want to. It's it's not any of my business, right? Because I, I do believe that our individual lives, especially in this natural world, that the Lord will direct us to live a long life. And here's how you do it. Uh, now, there are general principles that will apply to everybody, but sometimes there's some specific things that you've got to do to do these things, amen, and, that, and that's fine. But I do believe if there's even any natural limitations that you could use faith to overcome those natural limitations, but that's between you and the Lord, amen. Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. And then we'll, we'll come back and do the questions next week. So Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the blessings of your word. Father, we thank you that, uh, that you've given us the ability to live in supernatural hope, to live according to your word by faith. And we believe that your word is so, Father, and we give you the praise and the honor for these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's, uh, uh, let's get ready and receive uh, this afternoon's offering. And, um, and look, I, you know, I, my goal is not to just kick a hornet's nest, right, and stir up anything and to be found to be in, well, you're just trying to be controversial. I, I'm trying to be the exact opposite of being controversial. I'm just trying to stay with the word. Amen. Uh, and if we stay with the word, to me, there's no controversy in the word. Amen. And did we follow the word in all these discussions? Everything we said is the word. So there's no personal philosophy. Well, you know, unless you do this thing right here, you're never going to make it. Well, that sounds like a personal philosophy to me, right? That sounds like you, me depending upon my own self. Amen. And so come ahead, Mr. Jared, and, and receive the offering. And just like anything, you know, who decided eight glasses of water was to right them out? Why not nine? Why not seven? And why eight ounces? Why not seven ounces? Why not 12 ounces, right? Who decided that? Just like 10,000 steps. You can't, you know, it's got to be 10,000 steps. Well, you know, they got some random Japanese fellow just came up with that number. He didn't have any science to prove it. He just, I think it's, that's number. Well, why not 8,000? Why not 12,000? You know, Uh, you know, I mean, you walk as much, I don't care, right? Me and my wife love going on mid, uh, not midnight walks, but, you know, walks in the evening and, you know. We, we love doing that just to get out and enjoy the outside, right? But we don't go, well, there's another step. Oh, well, it's another hour of life right there, you know. Our hope is not in those steps, amen? So, so you've got to find that own path for yourself, and, amen? And I believe that you can do it. So let's pray, or we've already prayed, right? I guess we're done, right? So uh, um, let's see, well, uh, we received, okay, well, you leave. Go ahead and leave, all right? We'll see you all.